Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Leave Your Shoes by the Door. Today I'm joined with Cheryl Strode-Gregory. Cheryl, thanks for being on here. Thank you, Andy, for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, getting to know Cheryl a little bit, uh, we've actually never met in person. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan from afar. Um, I saw that you were involved with the Impro program through, through my board and then did a little research on you and found out that you're a very interesting and, and experienced realtor and just decided I had to have you on the, on the show today. So thanks for being on there. Uh, but we were kind of learning a little bit about, more about your, your interest, and you mentioned Motown. And um, it's no, mm-hmm. no mystery that I'm, I'm just a huge fan of music and, and especially just how music has, has played a role in American history. And, I mean, you can't, you can't talk about music's role in American history without acknowledging Motown and its impact on, mm-hmm. on all facets of pop culture and music since then. So give me, give me a little uh, insight to uh, your experience with Motown and, and your interest and where that came from and what about Motown is so special to you. Motown is special to me because it's special to my husband. You know, when you're married for a while, oftentimes your likes or their likes become your likes and in order to compromise. And so he actually loves Motown. Now, I, I love it as well, but not to the extent that he does. And I we often have uh, conversations about the different artists and, and how wonderful they are and the poetry. You know, the music is like poetry. And we mm-hmm. have a younger daughter and then, you know, there's generate two generations there, and we talked to her about how the musicians, the, it's just pure sound. It was pure sound produced in maybe a 15 by 15 room without right. the technology that artists have today. And yep. can you imagine, you know, Andy, can you imagine being in a 15 by 15 room in a jazz session with Smokey Robinson, no. Stevie Wonder, no. and Diana Ross? That is that is just amazing to know that that they were in those that little fifth. Have you ever been to Motown, the Hitsville? I have, I haven't, I haven't. Uh, They're in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a little room. I mean, it's a house, but the room in which they re- recorded, Andy, I believe, is no bigger than fifteen by fifteen, and that might be sure. generous. And sure. the not only are the artists there, but the the uh, uh, musicians are there. And they're just jamming and having a great time. Mm-hmm. And you think, gosh, all these wonderful sounds came out of this room. They even had a hole in the ceiling so that they could kind of have, they would clap and the sound so the sound would kind of bounce off. It's just amazing with what little they had and what great music came out of there. But, so the but it's the because of my for, husband. So the hole in the ceiling was for the acoustics? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. So yeah, and and yeah. something that's so amazing, especially with with something like Motown, is it's that perfect moment of where talent and opportunity all met at the perfect time for such a a special moment. And you know, you mentioned your daughter, and and I, you know, when you, I, I've of course I've always known about Motown, and of course I know Marvin Gaye and The Temptations and Stevie Wonder, of course. Um, Mm-hmm. But what's so special about it is I had to really look up what era of time that music came out because it it sounds so timeless. It's hard to kind of pinpoint, mm-hmm. you know, when you hear a pop song from the 80s, it just it drips the 80s. It just sounds like the 80s. Mm-hmm. But Motown just it's so timeless. It it feels like it could have been mm-hmm. made 
two months ago or two decades ago, or, or in this case, almost five decades ago for some of the, you know, the mm-hmm. music that was coming out in the 60s. And that's just such a unique aspect of talent to, to be so timeless. And like you said, if it's coming out of a 15 by 15 room of all these, all these young professionals and all these young uh, artists, it's, it's such a special thing. And you said you mentioned Hitsville, and I'm sure a lot of people listening probably don't know what Hitsville is. Can you can you build on Hitsville? Well, Hitsville is what the way I understand it. And like I said, I'm not a history buff, but Hitsville is the hits, the hits of Detroit, the hits that were coming out, and of Motown. And so they just named it Hitsville. When we went to visit um, the property, at one time they had six different. Uh, homes and now I think they only have two or three. They kept two, two or three of the original homes, and uh, hits were coming out of there. So it was hits, right. you know that type yeah. of thing. But you, you know, Andy, you were talking about opportunity. There, there's this one story. You know, we always talk about, especially in real estate, about being prepared. You know, for when opportunity knocks at your door, always be prepared. But uh, what I, the story that I love about uh, preparedness with Motown is Martha Reeves. And you know who Martha Reeves and the Vandella, right? I don't, are. no. And she, no. oh, you don't? Okay. I you don't, know that no. song, All Around the World, Are You Ready for a Brand New Beat, that song? Oh, that's, of course. I'm, I'm not going yeah, yeah. to sing it because I'm not, oh, no, I, I can't sing, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> sure, 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 yeah. So she actually came a couple of times uh, to get an interview, and they kind of, you know, there's a lot of people coming to get interviews. And one day she came in. And this guy, I can't remember his relationship, but it's on Hits, it's on Hitsville making of, of Motown, uh, on Showtown. But she comes in and he says, uh, well, can you sit here and listen, uh, uh, handle the phones? Can you answer the phones for me? He comes back four hours later and she tells him, well, you know, this person called, that person called and, um, and perhaps you should call this person back. And he at that point said, would you like to be my secretary? She said yes, but that's not what she wanted to be, Andy. She just wanted to be the – she wanted to sing. And sure. so she stayed there, and one day, I guess back in the day, uh, if musicians were practicing, the union required them to have a vocal there, a vocalist. And so the union, they got wind that the union rep was coming, and she and, – and they were panicked. She she volunteered to sing, and the rest is history. So wow. she walks in, she she answers the phone for four hours, hoping to get you know something else, and didn't happen. She sits there answering the phone as a secretary, and then the union rep comes and gosh, think of how you know opportunity. She's yep. waiting and waiting, volunteered, and and there she is. She's now now have all these hits on Motown. That's a pretty cool story. It is, and. And I, you know, I hate, I always hate when people would say something is lucky, that person's lucky, because there is, you need a level of preparation for this, this luck Mm -hmm. that you're talking about. And I really like, and Mm -hmm. I feel, and I can tell by the way that you shared that, that anecdote, that story, that that's, that's a characteristic that you carry with you in your, in your professional life of always kind of being prepared and always taking the opportunity when you get the chance. And like you said, she didn't, she didn't walk in that room wanting to be a, a secretary and take phone calls, but what she realizes is that I need to put in the work and put in the grind to get where I need to get. And if this is the means of getting there, then I'll do that. And then, of course, her opportunity came. That's right. 
That's right. And and I think that's how the real estate business is oftentimes, you know. You know, it's not a it's not something that you go through and everything is perfect. You you have to be prepared. You have to you know, you have to take time to to do the work, to to learn more, to find out more, to ask. And and so when opportunity knocks, when that client or business or investor, whomever calls you, you're ready, you know. Yeah. And yeah, yep. So how long have you been in the industry? I actually came in the industry in 2000, and I went back and looked, Andy, 2002. Okay, about 18 years? 18 years now. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so I, I can see that you you, <clears throat> you understand the importance of, of discipline and being prepared. And one of the things that, that attracted me to you to, to come on the, the, the podcast was your participation in, in impro and the professional uh, standards that uh, are you on grievance? I understand. I'm on yes. I'm I'm on no. I was on grievance and now I'm on professional standards. I initially when I first started uh, some time ago I I did grievance and now I I'm on the professional standards. So let's uh, back up and talk about the uh, the impro program, the Master Professional mm-hmm. Certification Program. Um, could you give mm-hmm. us kind of a rundown of that and then why that was attractive to you and why you donated your time and energy and intellect to, to participate in Impro? Well, first of all, I'm I'm a strong believer in education. And I think I often tell my clients, the more you know, the you have a much greater opportunity or ability to make sound decisions, you know. And so I believe that if I'm telling my clients that, that I also should do that. And so... Anytime I get an opportunity to learn something new, uh, to interact with a group of peers, to you know, because that's networking. You get to hear different things, you different problems that are happening, different solutions. And so, Impro was going to gather a, a group of people, a group of professional realtors, and we were going to be get education and experience. And I thought that was just a great thing. Uh, you know, it's a great opportunity. So was it was it one day or what was all entailed in the the impro program? Was it uh, just different speakers and you talked about different uh, approaches or different perspectives? Could you get can you give me like a specific detail about the actual impro class itself? So Andy, it was five. Well, it's five. It was five days because we did ours in person, and each okay, day sure. there there was a different subject, or there might be a couple of uh, each day there there were several subjects. And so they would have guest speakers come in. We did contracts. Um, oh, sure. We did safety. We did. We had a session that I really loved, and it uh, it was about um, we looked at case studies, and I thought that was really great because you can always learn from case studies, and it reminds you uh, that you have to continue to be vigilant in in the business when you read these case studies because you think, oh, gosh, I don't do that anymore, or I should do it every time and not occasionally. And uh, and what I'm referring to is there was one, uh, without talking about it, uh, uh, verifying customer funds. And sure, oftentimes, sure. you know, you've, been, you, you've been in business for a long time, and you, you, you know a lot of people and you do business with them, and you just say, well, I'm doing business with Realtor X, and I've, I've known them for years. I know that they wouldn't do anything or give me anything that's wrong. Well, it's not them. It's, it's the customer. You know, they don't right. know what their customer has or, or doesn't have. And and it was a, a wonderful story 
about why we should always verify funds, no matter if it's cash or proof of funds, because of something that happened uh, that impacted the sale of the house and went to litigation and that type of thing. And and what I loved about Impro is is that although you practice every day, there are always things that you can improve upon. And and Impro was a reminder that, you know, you could sharpen your skills a little bit more here. You could be more attentive there. Or perhaps you could network with this person and learn a little bit more. And so that's what I, I loved about it, Andy. Um, what else? I kind of went back and um, they gave us a lot of resources that you probably could get on the on the Internet if you just searched around. But this was information all at one location. You know, websites have changed. Information has changed. And it's changing every day, just like technology. Yeah. So uh, it was just a, uh, a wealth of information. And some of it was a repeat. But, sure. you know, repeats, repeats, I call it a refresher, okay? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's always good to refresh. And... Um, and so that's why I I love going to the program. I, I it was very beneficial, and you know it takes after you do that, you after you complete the class, then you have to do certain other things like you have to attend so many professional. You have to do professional matters. You have to attend some uh, local uh, and and governmental meetings. And with COVID, they've, they've been allowing us to do this over the Internet, you know. Sure, um, So sure. you don't have to do it in person. And yeah. uh, we were allowed to do that as well. Um, but I believe now the Impro is is totally online, and you can do everything online. But, but the sure, first sure. class, we did it in person. Yeah. So one, one idea that I really, really liked um, that you kind of touched on was, well, just the whole idea of some of it was a repeat. And it w- and to kind of build on that, you, you talked about the importance of different perspectives and approaches. And then you said, well, not a repeat, but a refresh. And I, and I like that because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I've taken a CPR class before. And, if, and it, when mm-hmm. I take another CPR class, it's a repeat. But it's important that I stay sharp on my skills and that I'm keeping myself in check and relearning and, and having that fresh new way of digesting that information so that I am more prepared and more on the ball. And so what I kind of want to ask you is, you know, you've been in the industry for 18 years. That's a long time, and and the industry evolves and it moves so quickly. How important is is it to you to always be kind of challenging yourself and making sure that you are staying on top of the most basic type of of functionalities of being a realtor and that knowing knowing contract uh, rules and knowing and licensing and how important is you as a professional, even 18 years into it, when you've had tons of experience and you've had a lot of, you know, field work, but you're still going into the classroom? Uh, why why do you value that so much? Because I think that is a service that I owe to my client and, and to the and to our profession. There, you know, buying a home is perhaps most people's biggest investment, and yeah. they are entrusting they are entrusting me to be knowledgeable when I say I'm a realtor, I know what I'm doing, and they're entrusting that I really do know what I'm doing, that I have kept up with the latest, you know, uh, information to the best of my ability, that 
when I write a contract that I really know what I'm doing. I think that customer service is wonderful, but you also need to have a sense of knowledge. Uh, because yes. if you make a mistake, you know, oops, that's that's really not, you know, I didn't know. There's yeah. plenty of places that you can ask. I, You know, I'm a firm believer. If I don't know anything, if I can't give you the answer, I'll say, hey, you know what, I don't have enough knowledge. Let me go ask someone else. I have no problem with picking up the phone and calling someone and running it past them to see if perhaps I could do it a different way or if I'm on the right path. And I just think we owe that to our profession because that's what we want. We want to be looked at as a profession, and we want the people that are calling us to believe that, that, that we are keeping up with everything. Andy, when, we go to the, when you go to the doctor, you're, you are hoping that that person is keeping up with their continuing ed and know what they're doing. Why shouldn't it be the same for us? You're absolutely right. If I went to the doctor, he said, oh, don't worry, I graduated from, you know, medical school 20 years ago. I said, oh, geez, a lot's changed in 20 years. I wish you would have done a, a refresh. And I haven't done anything years. since. Yeah. Yeah, yeah don't right. Worry. I took and I haven't done anything. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes. and, and, yeah. And like buying a house, I got a lot invested in this appointment. I hope this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Right, um, right. That's, that's such a good analogy. Okay. I like that. Um <laughs> Something I thought of while you were talking, and I think this is something that's lost on a lot of members of – basically, I think it's lost on a lot of people who aren't in our industry, is now mm -hmm. people are looking on the outside looking in, and they think with the advent of you know the Internet and the information age, where you can get on these third-party websites and learn everything you need to know about a house, that the realtor's value is, is losing its place in this transaction. And I'm listening to you, uh, a career realtor who's been in the industry for 18 years, and it's, it seems that maybe that the, the information that you can learn, the square footage, and you can learn uh, you know, comparables and things like that, but still the realtor plays such an essential role in not just the, the transaction, but also serving the client for their best interest in the transaction. How – because – I, I feel like a lot of people in an industry might not truly understand all the logistics that goes into a transaction. So is there maybe like a, 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 first, a first, first hand experience that you've had where you need that human uh, interference where, you know, emotional intelligence of a realtor? I have a cousin that lives out of state. He called me. And typically, you know, family call you to get advice, different things. You know, of course, the rules are different, but they still, you know, some things are just in general the same. He and his wife gone out and purchased a home through a, a builder. And, you know, I have always advocated to anyone that will listen that it doesn't cost you anything to have a buyer's agent. It's free. The seller's going to pay for the agent. I think they missed that. And what happened, what happens is is that if there's not someone who is working on your behalf who can kind of take the problems and work them out on your behalf, if, if on a builder's end, and I'm just using the builder, you know, it could be anyone, but oh, sure, if, sure. And if, the builder, if the builder and the rep and everyone and the lender all work for the builder, they're working for the seller. And that's what happened to my cousin. He got himself, he entered into a contract 
without a, without a realtor because he felt, well, you know, we got on the Internet and we looked up things and we thought we could do this. But then when the contracts, when it, became, when it came time to look at how the lending, you know, the lending process, earnest, uh, earnest money, down payment, seller concessions, they didn't have any clue about any of those things. Right, and right. And so they ended up paying for more, more than they really wanted to, and they said it was a learning lesson. And it was rather interesting because there's another relative that lives in the same state, and they asked uh, them, what would you do differently now that you purchased your house? And they said, hire a realtor, because we thought we were saving money. We thought we knew what we were doing, you know, we thought we were going to save a little bit, but we needed someone who would be there because we were emotional. There were things that were going on we didn't understand, right. and everyone was working on the other side. So I understand that the Internet plays a, a large role in how consumers look for homes. I, I get that. You know, we're all, lots of things are Internet-driven. But when it comes time to sit down and talk about a contract, there's emotional things there. There are There are things there that, you can't see because you're so excited or you can't see because you're so upset because in a transaction, people are happy sometimes. <laughs> and you know, Andy, they're upset sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. you, need, you need that person who has no vested interest, or you, not. I shouldn't say vested interest. You have, need someone who has a vested interest in getting the transaction to a conclusion, but all at the same time doing it this was that was in your best interest and that's what realtors do they work on your behalf to get you the best deal there's a lot of possibilities that it could go wrong and if you don't have a realtor oh, yeah. working for you working on your side you could be taken advantage of or you could mm -hmm. just simply just not have the uh, the awareness of the best way to handle these situations and it could be any of the, the the contributing factors to a transaction so yeah, I mean, Cheryl. I mean, you 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 said it so well, and it, and it's that's essentially what a realtor does. Is a realtor helps their clients. They help their clients find home. And and you talk about emotional investment. I mean, it's your home. It's where you're going to be cultivating a family. It's where you're going to be making life memories. So yeah, you need that. You need that professional. But that mm -hmm. member of the public needs to be able to count on that professional to have that sense of integrity and that sense of ethics that they're going to do what's best for them. And that's especially why I, I, I'm so glad that I'm talking to you right now because of your, you, you've gone above and beyond to participate with, with my board and helping us keep that level of integrity with our, with our membership and our industry. So if you could, what, just from your firsthand experience of, of you volunteering and participating with our professional standards uh, committee, what, what are the biggest things threatening uh, professionalism in our industry in 2020? Taking shortcuts. Taking shortcuts because, you know, um, I want to make sure that this, this transaction moves forward and it's not going to hurt. And um, I think we should continually, as realtors, use the same standards when business is going well. And, you know, it, we are all human. We're all human. And sometimes, you know, life gets in the way, things get in the way, COVID gets in the way. Uh, yeah. the new rules and regulations on how to show houses. You know, there's just a, a lot of things going on right now, Andy. So I, yeah. I think it's important that we remember, you know, when you get a sales disclosure and there's some, some 
some errors on there, you know, where people have crossed out. And, and this is one of my pet peeves. They've crossed out and haven't initialed, haven't dated. You can't tell if it's defective or not defective, and yet you give it to your client. And, you know, knowing, I, I mean, not, you know, you possibly would give it to your client because, well, it's okay. Well, that that that's one of those that can come back and haunt you. And sometimes, you know, the, on the other side there, they're tired as well with all the issues that are going on in life. But we just yeah. have to stay vigilant and doing do the same thing that you were doing before and not let the things that are happening in the world impact your judgment. And yeah. that that that's what I think is, is important for for twenty twenty that we, we finish strong and we we finish with the same standards that we started in January that we will in December. Yeah, I, I and I, I I really like that. I was just at a, a greater downtown division meeting, uh, I think maybe last week, and they're talking about historic designations. And mm-hmm. you know, I I'm not I'm not a realtor. I'm just an employee of MyBor. And what I'm immediately thinking as an employee of MyBor is is you know where does my responsibility lay in, in trying to contri- trying to educate our members to, of the awareness of this? Because if you don't reach out to the Indianapolis Historic Society and, and verify that that property is or isn't protected, you could be looking at a lot mm-hmm. of trouble if you, you know, decide to get a new roof or something like that. And all the, all the professionals in the room, when I, when I asked, you know, all these questions, the professionals are saying, that's the realtor's responsibility. Mm-hmm. If anything happens, where do you think that six months after they, the transaction and they get a cease and desist from the city of Indianapolis because they decided to remodel their kitchen. Who do you think is ultimately mm-hmm. going to get blamed for that? And it's the realtor. And it's because like, it just like you said, that realtor probably assumed or cut corners and didn't do the homework. And now they got a real problem on their hands. It takes effort and time, a lot more time than some people would like to do, but it's worth it in the end. It, you know, you have to make a couple more phone calls and find out something and you tell your client, in the end, when we finish this uh, transaction and they thank you because they're happy you found that little nugget that would have cost them or prevented them from doing something, they're going to tell seven more people and about, you know, she didn't have to do that or he didn't have to do that. But as a result of that, here's where we're at today and we're happy we used a realtor. And those are, that's why we have referral business. Little effort more. Do, do a little bit more. Yep. Yep. They're they're going to go. Thank goodness I had a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, a real estate mm-hmm. professional right. to help take care of that for me mm-hmm. because I did not know that. I had an expert. Yep. You know, looking out for me to take care of that. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break so that we can hear from the MyBoard updates. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MyBoard update. Earn the highest certification offered by your association by participating in MyBoard's Master Professional Certification Program, or MPRO. The next session of MPRO will take place October 12th through 16th. Register today at myboard.com MPRO. This October, we are electing two new members of MyBoard's Board of Directors. Spots are open for District 2 and District 5. A MyBoard Board of Directors serves a three-year term. Here are your candidates. District 2. Tyler Hankins versus Steve Thompson. District 5, Lynn Murray versus Carol Snyder. Voting will begin October 2nd through October 8th. Find out more information at myboard.com elections. Join us for live webinars from Down Payment Resources during September. 
Down Payment Resource is a free tool on your VLC dashboard used to connect buyers with down payment assistance programs based on client and property information. These webinars will teach you how to use the tool and tap into the current buyer demand by finding the programs and lenders who can assist with down payment funding, often the greatest obstacle to home ownership. To register, visit the events calendar on mybar.com and click on the webinar link. Please be sure you are frequently visiting mybar.com coronavirus to stay up to date with MyBoard's policies and resources to address common transactional issues. This page also includes details on the schedule of MyBoard office opening. The Realtor Foundation annual golf outing is set for Thursday, September 17th at Eagle Creek Golf Club and presented by Wheaton Worldwide Moving and Beacons Van Lines. For registration and details regarding our safety precautions, visit www.realtorfoundation.org golf. And now back to our interview with Cheryl Strode Gregory. So speaking of experts, speaking of realtors, you've been in this industry for almost two decades. I'm sure you've had so many ups and downs and peaks and valleys. But if you could, take us back to day one. To tell me about your, your journey into becoming a realtor. Wow, my journey to becoming a realtor. Well, Andy, honestly, I've always loved houses. I've mm -hmm. always understood what housing can do for families. My first transaction was when uh, that I was involved in was when my mom bought a house. And it was a rather cool experience um, because we were what I would call housing insecure. And there was a gentleman, sort of like INHP. Are you familiar with INHP? I sure am, absolutely. You know, with Housing Partnership. Back in the early what, 80s, 70s, there was a gentleman that worked for VA, and he just kind of came to the, to the church and presented a program uh, through the Department of Veterans Affairs. And if you could get a house and you could save up enough money to uh, purchase the house, you had to do a down payment, but so each month a percentage of your down payment would go towards that. We bought a house that way, my mom and I. Um, it took a while. It, it, was a, it was a little stressful, Andy, and I kind of remember my mom and I laugh about it. It was a little stressful because part of that program while you were doing your down payment is that you had to allow any and every realtor and buyer into the house, and they could possibly buy the house while you were saving it for the down payment. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. So my mom, you, you, my mom is, a, when she gives instructions, you follow it. She said, do not allow anyone in this house under any circumstances. So, Andy, uh, it took four years, and we never allowed anyone to tour the house. And long story short, we pur she purchased the house and went on to purchase others, you know, because we went from uh, housing insecurity to owning a home. And um, that was my first kind of true experience on what home ownership can do for someone and mm -hmm. what programs can do for someone. And so back in 2002, I was in a serious car accident, and I was working at that time for Big Brothers. I'm a, I'm a social worker, and I, my husband and I talked about it, and I said, you know, I can't work for a company or anyone when I'm having my back issues. I need to find a job where I can make my own hours. And, and as a social worker, you know, the skill set that I have is just a normal fit, is a normal transition to realtor. The only thing I really didn't have under my belt was the salesmanship, you know. Um, but and, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Cheryl. And I and I I, I want to make sure that so you worked for uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters. 
Oh, yeah. Well, at I that time, it was only Big uh-huh. Brothers. It was not. Okay. okay. You know, they they recently, but at that time, it was Big Brothers. Yeah. I've always worked for not, non-for-profits. And so you might not have had the salesman knowledge, but you certainly had that compassion and empathy that you probably developed while working for, for non-profits. Oh, yeah. That, those, those skills that I had, the skill set, Andy, that, that social work uh, um, provided to me actually have been very, very invaluable. You know, things like active listening, uh, critical thinking, time management, the maintenance of good records. You know, as a social worker, you, you don't throw anything away. You've got to document, document, document. You've got to right. work with a wide range of people, and you've got to collaborate. So that was, it just seemed so easy, you know. Okay, I'm... I work as a caseworker here. I can be a realtor. And it afforded me the opportunity for my body to heal and get back in a position where I could, you know, get back to normal. And it, and you can't do that when you're working for an employer. And there's expectations, and there should be, you know. So that's sure, kind of sure. how I got into into real estate. And I went to work for Carpenter. Uh, it goes back to that education thing. I, I reviewed or, and looked over all of the companies in the city, and uh, I felt that they had a great educational program, and I felt, you know, I needed that to have a strong foundation. And so I began my career there, and, you know, and I'm here where I'm, and we're here today. So give me your first experience, or, or it can be a transaction, where you had that level of confidence where you, you were, were driving home or you, you're at the table and you're, you told yourself, I think I can make a career out of this. I think I'll be here 18 years from now still doing this. What, did, do you have a specific moment in that time from the early, early stages of your career where you felt that? Yes. But, Andy, I have to say it, took, it actually took six months before I got a listing. I, you know, I called, I called, I called, I did all those things. And I remember going to the human resource person, and I, I I was sitting down talking to her, and I said, you know, Amy, I I don't I don't think this is the profession for me. You know, I have this skill set, but I don't know if my salesmanship. I'm it, there's something lacking there. And I remember she said something to me, Cheryl, if you got a million sales, a million dollars worth of sales in the first month while you were here, and then business dropped off. You wouldn't yeah. know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. You, would, you wouldn't know what to do. She said, if you gradually build your business up and things get better over time, then you understand that this business kind of ebb and flows and you prepare yourself financially and mentally and all that kind and, and that type of stuff. So after she gave me that little pep talk, I got a listing. And from that listing, I sold the house. And at that time, Andy, um, I can't remember the, the airline, that went out of business, um, I sold about got about five or six listings in that one subdivision based on that one sale of that one person from that airline. And they told sure. all their other airline people. And I thought, yes, you know, I, can, I think I can, I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. you just have to have patience and perseverance. And, uh, but, you know, it, it, it is a business that ebbs and flows. And you... You have to have some grit and determination to stay in there. And and I and I would imagine another skill that you probably developed as a social worker was the the gift of persistence, uh, just not oh, not giving up. Yeah, yeah, that is one of those. 
you know, Andy, that that is one that um, I learned even before I, I came went to Big Brothers. I worked in the municipal court and uh, in probation, and you know, um, I I ran a team of domestic violence and alcohol. And those were my two specialties: mental health and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. when you're dealing with people who are in a domestic violence relationship, you have to have patience and persistence because everything that you talk to them about they have to make that decision. You can't make someone remove themselves from the domestic, from the abuser. You can't help, you, you know, there's just some things you just can't do. And I, I learned that early on that, you know, you provide people with information. You do the very best that you can do. You're persistent with it, but you cannot make, unless it's something that you can do legally, but you cannot make someone, you know, leave a situation or or do something that would that would make them safer. And so yeah. I do the same thing with, with real estate. I provide people with the information. I tell them, yes. you know, and then after that, it's 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 their decision. It's always their decision, but you inform and you allow them to decide. I don't persuade someone to to, to pick or not pick a house, but you know, I I think that information maybe maybe persuasive. Like, yeah. It depends on how you do it, you know, but and you, know, you provide them with the resources and the education to to help them make the the best decision for them for them and their family. Absolutely, that is that is your goal. That that should always well. That's always my goal. That that's always yeah. my goal. It's always the first thing I think about because I live here. Yeah. You know, I live in this yeah. city. I want to yeah. walk around, and I don't want to duck and dodge. I want to walk around, and someone says, "Hey, mm-hmm. how you doing?" You you know, and you're say, "Wonderful." This is a small town, and you you want to, yeah. you know, I. That's how I feel about that. So, uh, I, and I can't help but think uh, at the beginning of our conversation, and you were talking about that young artist who uh, became a secretary and then had her chance to, to sing and, and the rest is history. During that six months, which I'm sure that six months felt like six years without a listing, what were you doing to kind of make yourself available for that opportunity? Because I already know Cheryl, I've I've been only been talking to you for a half hour. I already know that you were prepared. I don't even have to ask you if you were prepared for that opportunity. But what were you doing in those six months to kind of make yourself available? What were you doing? Were you doing any marketing? What what, what were you doing during those six months to make sure that that opportunity came to you? I, and I'm not sure if they'd still do this, but um, we would have desk call, and you could you could sit on the desk, and any calls that came in, that mm-hmm. those would be yours. So I volunteered every single day to do desk calls. And then um, I had a, an, uh, I would call it a, what is it, sweet mate, office mate, uh, next or next to me, a cubby mate. And his name was Bob Denary. Bob Denary is gone on now. But uh, Bob would share with me different things, you know, different types of clients. I, w- I would just go and sit there and he would say, Cheryl, you know, here's some of the things that I do. I go out to the houses, I knock on the doors, you know, I introduce myself, I send out uh, flyers, you know, that, that sounds so so old now, but, you know, send out flyers, and I would just go and pick people's brains, and then I would go back and try those things, because sure. you never know, you know, you, you absolutely never know. I, any Anyone that was willing to tell me that I, you know, that I felt that, you know, was going to give me some good advice, because, you know, you can... You get lots of advice, but anyone that I felt was going to give me some advice that would that could possibly work, I took it. I I was in the 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 uh, managing broker's office, 
every day. I say, Tim, okay, so what new program, what new project, what can we do? And and that's how I did it. I just did everything, anything and everything uh, that I thought would help improve my business. And, and I'll tell you what's, what's so reassuring. Work. What's so reassuring to me listening to you is that what you're telling me now is something that you did, you know, 18, 17 years ago. But at the beginning of our conversation when we were talking about Impro, you're still doing that. You know, that wasn't something that you did just to get started. Here we are 18 years later, and you're still trying to learn new perspectives and still trying to learn new ways of collaboration, still evolving, still learning, still challenging yourself. Mm -hmm. So eight, 18 years in the industry, uh, you've, you've made a career of it. Uh, you know, MyBoard, as an employee of MyBoard, I'm, I'm thankful to have someone like you volunteering your time to help us achieve our goals. But how, would, how do you define success, Cheryl? What, what does success mean to you? Andy, I think success means doing something that you love and truly being happy doing it. There's that old cliche, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe I do believe that. I, I believe that if you love something and you enjoy doing it, you do it with passion, you do you, you care about it, and people can tell. And I think the most successful thing is, is, is being happy with what you're doing. Because if you're not happy, then nothing it, it nothing else matters, Andy. You you, you can't move forward, you, you it's just kinda of stuck. You know, you're just like yeah, you're always second-guessing yeah. yourself. You're, yeah. you know, so happiness. I, I think happiness is is essential and enjoying yeah. what you do. When I stop enjoying what I'm doing, I'm no longer going to do it because I'm not, that's not good for me and it's yeah. certainly not good for the public and, and my clients. Yeah. Well, and I really liked uh, the, the example you used of, you know, when you when you do what you do with with uh, integrity, uh, you can hold your head up high when you're walking around the city, knowing that you you've mm-hmm. given what you can and you truly it came from the heart, from a sense of compassion, and and you're truly trying to do what's best for your clients. And I mean, just the ability to hold your head up high when you when you walk through the grocery store, I, I feel is a, is a sign of success. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I I don't know if you picked up on this, Cheryl, but when you when I when I asked you about uh, in those first six months, you said that you went on that the, the front desk where you were taking calls, and that's literally the same thing that that artist that you mentioned at the beginning did. She wanted to sing, <laughs> but what she did was take calls, and then she got her chance to sing, and she hit it out of the park. You wanted to yeah. you know, buy and sell real estate. Couldn't do that yet, so you took calls until you got the opportunity, then you hit it out of the park. I mean, there is a direct parallel there. Yeah. Well, Cheryl, uh, I want to thank you for being on today, uh, and I really do mean this as a as a MyBoard employee. And I and I, you know, we do new member orientation, and I I always say it's very clear we are a member driven organization. If it weren't for our members participating with us and cooperating with us, we simply wouldn't be able to achieve our goals. And you're an example of that. And I'm sure everyone who listens to this is going to realize we got a good one. We got a great we got a great realtor working with us to help us make sure that we are keeping the integrity in the realtor brand. So Cheryl Strode Gregory, thank you so much for being on here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. Have a great day, okay? And I appreciate you having me. 